Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. March is going out like a lion. Yes, uh, blowing snow, freezing temperatures, 90 mile an hour kilometer winds or whatever you want to call it. Hey, well, this is Winnipeg, right? And well, you know what? It's always a great occasion when I can see all these beautiful faces. So hello, I see Susan. Hi, Linda. Hi, Robin. Thank you for joining us today. And I'm sure there's going to be a few more. I know Rana's running a little late. And Susie will be joining us at noon. Um, Robin, is Charlotte going to join? I think she said she was. Yeah. Okay. So I guess before I, let's open up your mics. What's with this weather? (laughs) Okay, Linda, the one that makes us. (laughs) Oh. You know, my dog was happy. He was rolling around in the snow, just absolute thrilled. So, and it was so sad yesterday too, because uh, it was so beautiful out and we had this one tiny patch of ice left. And he's such a winter dog that he was just sitting on this one as it melted. Like he just, it was, so he was like, like, what are you bringing on? Bring on the snow. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, okay. So dogs are happy. That's good to know. Okay. That's all that matters. Oh, I don't know. And it's just been um crazy like if you look at the forecast right and like how do we do it as human beings uh susan like you know like the differential of what more than 20 degrees (laughs) or just that that speaks to our resiliency and especially being winnipeggers (laughs) i mean we we pride ourselves in going from minus 40 to plus 40 in the blink of an eye so i don't know bring it on yes well of course uh our mental health and wellness um expert, um, <laughs> procurer of all things knowledgeable, Robin, how, how do we do it? How do we maintain our mental stability <laughs> when we get these little glimpses of, you know, warmth and sun and, and then, then torrential downpour and then snowstorms? I don't know. Look, truth be told, I'm not an expert on anything but myself, but I think in terms of how do we do it, we just uh, work out one step at a time what we want to do. So for me, I love the weather being completely different. I moved to Canada because I hate the heat, and (laughs) summer here is like, ooh. Um, So this little couple of days is like, Woo, party time. Um, but I, you know, I, I think people have to do find little things that um, bring them joy, even if they don't like the crazy wind out there today, right? Find something in your apartment that, or house or with someone that just gives you a smile for the day. Or join our conversation, right? And be here with us. I know, I know. Rocket. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, I kind of sent a note to uh, some of you. Uh, I wanted to just tackle this and and find out because uh, 
I'll be, truth be told, I don't know if I'm one or not, but the question is, what does feminism mean today? Uh, how far have we come? How far do we have to go? Uh, you know, what does it even look like you know, for, for us that are, you know, living in these times? And then also for the future, for the future young women that are going to be coming in and taking over hopefully what we've built. Um, I kind of look around here and we all are entrepreneurs in, in, in all the shape and way of, of the word, um, forging our own well, way into the world, expounding our knowledge the best way we can. Is that, is that feminism? I don't know. Charlotte. <laughs> I know, because no, I usually go to you last, <laughs> and you haven't been on for a couple of weeks, so, and Rana isn't here yet, and Susie's coming later, so, I mean, now's the time to kind of seize the stage, Charlotte, because we need, we need to know, <laughs> and I think you're muted. <laughs> no, I've oh, taken yeah. myself off mute. Okay. I'm just, uh, you know, my head was growing up to what my teens and 20s definition mm -hmm. of feminism was growing up down south in mm -hmm. the Bible Belt and where um, women then to what they are today are totally different. So my, my hope um, for girls now is to embrace what feminism is to them and I encourage them to um, because it'll look different to what it is for me, to what it is to you. Um, but have that conversation with yourself of what you want it to project. Mm -hmm. um, I was chatting with a girlfriend last night about um, feminism to me is strong and um, having my voice um, and you know that empower that Robin talks about instead of em empowerment, um, <laughs> but really, um, having a voice of what works for you, what you want, encouraging yourself to take chances. Um, and if it's that Southern feminine side that I grew up with, um, that's good too. Like, it's just really about what it is for you. Um, and uh, so have you had that conversation with your girls? And I mean, I would think that they see you as a role model and, and how you have, you know, overcome, accomplished in your life, uh, what did yeah. you say to them? My girls are super proud of me and they're just like, why did it take you so long to find your voice? Like we, <laughs> we wished you had done this a lot earlier. So I'm constantly encouraging my daughters to, to go with where their passion is, go with what their purpose is. And if they don't know, just explore. Um, mm -hmm. And it's hard, I know, in COVID to, to think about that. My youngest is graduating this month. Like she, April is her last exam, finished her degree. And you know, what does that look like? And, um, you know, yeah, I understand with COVID the world is different, mm -hmm. but it's also starting to explore what it works for her. Um, 
And uh, and she's getting very vocal in, in what that looks like and dreaming big and and sharing that with us. And and for me, it's just allowing that space to be a witness and to celebrate with her. So one of the things I'm doing is like not telling her what I think she should do, but encouraging to explore mm-hmm. and dream big and, and see where that takes her. Wow. But is it a wrong thing? I, and And yes, I know, because all of you women will will attest to it that you can voice your opinion but I guess in a positive way like Charlotte like is there you know is because I'm sure you would like to tell your girls what you think but is there a positive way that you could do it that you could have that conversation (laughs) you know I just I think of things that were said to me by my parents and a lot of it was maybe for in fear or not really thinking of the implication of the words. But one of the things that um, my my dad said to me once is just remember that you carry my, my last name and be very careful with what you do with that name. So it instead of it um, causing me to explore and take chances, it, I was always in fear of, you know, doing something that would, do something to his name so the sooner I could get rid of that last name the better so I, you know because I really wanted my own name that I could you know what if I messed up or if I did something that maybe didn't sit well it was on me not on him so it's things like that that I'm always mindful of when encouraging my daughters that are my words going to have a negative impact on them or is it going to allow them to figure out who they are and what they want to be wow so. Well, and that's, I mean, I find that fascinating, especially in the line of work that both you and Kirsten and Robin do, and that, uh, yeah, um, words are very powerful and can be hurtful at the same time that we want to, we know when we're thinking that we're doing something right. Uh, I'm going to go to Linda, because she's been nodding her head a lot, too. (laughs) And so, spinning off of what Charlotte said, you know, that fear, uh, and I think all, well, most of us are from that era where, you know, you, always, you were given everything, um, you know, maybe it is privilege. Your parents only wanted the best for, for you, better than what they had. You know, the future probably meant, you know, we want you to go to university, get a degree, you know, marry and, you know, white picket fence, whatever, two and a half kids and a dog. Um, you know, and I, obviously that has changed now. Um, and even like maybe from your perspective too, Linda, being a single parent and raising two girls, and obviously same kind of thing, case in point, seeing how you have overcome and accomplished so much. Um, are those fears of when, well, those words that mom and dad said to you, does, do those still resonate when you're with your girls? Oh, that's such an interesting question. And uh you know, I, I'm sure I've screwed up a thousand million times with my kids of, you know, with what I've said, you know, at, and I, you know, you try your best, but um, I, I don't always get it right. Um, I think hopefully my actions will be what they model themselves on rather than sometimes my words. But, you know, it was making me think, Charlotte, when you were talking about, you know, your upbringing and my upbringing was slightly um different in that my parents were a little bit more 
like they were kind of hippies, like in their in the way that they thought. So I didn't get a lot of um, uh, prescribed direction, like you like you were saying, Tracy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you have the marriage, and they didn't say that. There was a lot more freedom, and I mean, I remember my dad saying he just wanted us all to be happy and just find our own paths. Um, but what I found interesting was, you know, I did the university degree and, you know, I was raised in that era of feminism, which was everything's possible for you, right? Mm-hmm. The world is your oyster. You know, you can be anything. You have equal rights to men. You know, we, we were we were lucky to grow up where we did have the vote and we did have the ability to own property. You know, I mean, I... I mean, I remember my grandmother, my Baba, telling us about the time she remembered when women got the right to vote. You know, it was a strong memory for her. Cars were honking. You know, it was a big deal. And so we grew up with this idea that, you know, we could accomplish anything. And I remember being very confused, though, where I was like, well, where are all these opportunities? You know, it was... That was when I started in my early 20s, started to come up against the uh, systems that don't offer the same opportunities for girls and women in terms of networking and in terms of, you know, um, companies, you know, being left to you to control. You know, there's there's not a lot of women at the, the helm of you know, high revenue earning companies. And so I remember being kind of, there wasn't a word for it that I had and I was confused by this. And it took me a long time to really recognize how the patriarchy works and how um, how it is uh, detrimental for uh, women, people of color, um, anybody who doesn't look like, you know, a white male, there was, definitely struggles that we had and we still have and so do I consider myself a feminist absolutely like absolutely because to me feminism like what you were saying Charlotte we define it the way we want to I think that's one of the brilliant things about this time we we have choice we have um we have our ability to create our own lives but for me feminism is economic power and economic you know rights to the same opportunities that other people have and um more and more as i get older i see the you know the financial piece as such a crucial part of mm-hmm. feminism and moving forward And so I was so happy when I saw this uh, episode, Tracy, because especially that you said intersectional feminism, because, of course, when we grew up in the, uh, you know, um, in the last uh, (laughs) millennium, um, it was uh, feminism was white feminism. You know, it was not intersectional. There was it was very much one voice that was being presented. And now I'm grateful that more voices are being heard and I think that we have an opportunity right now uh, at, to I can't remember who said it last week but to make our economic recovery after COVID intersectional feminism to lead the way and I I would love to hear what everyone else thinks about that but I think that there's a uh, you know 
there's an opportunity mm -hmm. and we should really be jumping on it. So thank you for bringing up this great topic. <laughs> well, she's finally here, so. <laughs> I might go to Kristen and Robin though first because they may not be able to get a chance in because I know Ron is gonna be here to, I guess, you know, give us a good perspective on where she sees it. But I'm gonna actually take it over to Susan though. You've been, um, you've joined us recently and so I guess your sort of idea or your, your history with feminism and everything like that and what that kind of means to you right now. It's an interesting topic. Thanks. Uh, thanks for asking. I think when I, when I grew up, there wasn't specifically talk about you'll go to university, you won't go to university. What is it that you want to do? I always thought I would because I loved school and it was something I enjoyed. And to be honest, I thought, yeah, I could do whatever, whatever I wanted to do because the opportunities were supposed to be equal. I went to university in, I guess, the late 80s, late, late 80s, early 90s. And I found when I started working in the working world that things weren't necessarily this, the way I had envisioned them. Um, I mean, I remember being suggested that I wear something more provocative at work and, you know, change what I'm wearing. And, you know, if, if, uh, if, a, if one of my clients decided to give me kisses on both cheeks, well, it's because he was French and that should be okay. And when I suggested that maybe I wasn't okay with that, um, I was to brush that under the rug. So I quickly realized that there's a definitely a different playbook for how men see um, the working world versus how I saw it. And uh, needless to say, I quit that job not that long after. It wasn't clearly supported in that particular viewpoint. Um, but shortly after that, I went to a large uh, insurance company and from there saw that 75, no, was it 85% of the workforce was women? 15% maybe were men and very few of the women had jobs that were managers or directors and up. It was all the lower level jobs. So again, and you know, those that did, they had a hard time of it. If you were a director and up as a woman, it was much more difficult. Mm -hmm. They didn't sit at the table where all of the other VPs and directors sat at lunch. They were working, literally working all the time or, or kind of more left to their own. So you could see that there was, you know, the story that was being told, but then lived reality was a very different, very mm -hmm. different story. So, you know, trying to work around that, uh, work in that type of environment, as, as some of the other women, Charlotte has said here, Linda said, mm -hmm. craft your own type of feminism. How do we move through that knowing that this is a situation, this is the world that we live in right now, but yet to be able to affect it in a way that's positive for yourself and others, including all of the, all of the men around you as well. Um, it's kind of its own challenge in, in a way that, you know, how far do you push in some areas and then how do you influence in a positive way to move along with it, I think is sometimes the challenge. So yeah, I've seen a lot of interesting things along the way and I'm happy that we are where we are. Uh, I, I feel that we're going up and down, up and down, forwards and backwards and sometimes around in circles. And um, I don't see that it being a straight line forward in terms of feminism for whatever variation of feminism that is for you. Um, I think it's going to be bumpy, a bumpy road all the time because there's so many factors at play. So 
I don't know. Did I answer that directly, indirectly, or in a nutshell, or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, and very interesting observations. And I don't think that those observations have gone away even now. I mean, they still do exist. And like you said, I'm asking the question, how far do we have to go? Are we even close? I don't know. Um, but I guess we'll find out soon, uh, Miss Rana. <laughs> You're still on mute. I know, I was faking it. I, no, I, I actually don't. realized that. Good morning, guys. Sorry I was late. No. I was having some some facial hair issues. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, and I'm going to apologize off the bat. That's my disclaimer. I'm just going to say what has to be said. Be offended. Don't be offended. Couldn't really care. Um, there is no question. I mean, I think, I think just as a starting point, you're, there's no such thing as feminism if it is not intersectional feminism. You don't get to pick and choose whose feminism that you support. Either you believe that all people who identify in a certain way have equal rights or you don't. Mm -hmm. So the challenge I believe we are having is exactly that issue, is that there are people in this world who don't even perhaps even recognize what the concept really entails. So when you're talking about feminism, if you don't recognize or actually say it's intersectional, basically what you're saying is I only believe in white feminism, white woman feminism, which was the start of feminism, which is what all this was created on, which left out all people of color, you know what I'm saying? So so I think that's the starting point. And it's not to be offensive or anything else. I think people are learning as we go along. I think there's a lot of great discussions that are happening. I think that this is why we have these conversations. Um, and if there was, there was ever an opportunity to have proof or, um, you know, evidence perhaps that various social identities will compound to create more discrimination or more oppression or more issues for racialized women, it would be during COVID. Because mm -hmm. yes, you know, and I think uh, Susan brought up beautiful points, right? Like she's talking about herself, her, her own experience, and we've all kind of been through that point. But she said something really specific, right? That was beautiful. That was, you know, really incredible because it helps me feed off of it, right? So yes, you know, if you're in an organization with 80% women, but they're all at lower levels, I can pretty much assure you that those lower levels are not women of color. The lowest level would be the women of color, right? <laughs> that's just a fact. That's just evidence. That's just, you know, research. You can Google anything and you would find that out. So that's really what the issue is, right? So if we're trying to bring up women, all women, not just one group, that means you have to start the, and you know linda it was it was me who said the only recovery is intersectional if we start going down this road uh we're basically ignoring the the group of people 
who were at the front lines, which were women of color, men of color, immigrant women at the front lines of hospitals, nurses, doctors, doesn't matter. They were at the front lines. They were cleaning up all the stuff. They were the janitors. They were the ones who were at the most risk of all of this. They were the ones who were losing jobs the most. They were the ones who were single family. They were the ones who were dealing with domestic violence in their homes, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on. This isn't a new surprise. This was actually the first time in a very long time that the evidence, the numbers showed that. So people like me could now not just be kind of barking, you know, in the side of a tree trying to get people to hear you. There's actually numbers now, which is beautiful, right? So it's a great starting point. So yeah, you know, when you're talking about intersectionality, basically what you're saying, and I think people kind of misconstrue what this actually means to different people. I think it does mean different things to different people at times, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, for instance, right, what would my social issues be, right? Um, and politics was a perfect example of it. If you want to hear about it, there's my TED talk. You know, it wasn't just the fact that I was female. That was the least of my concerns. It was the least of my concerns. It was the fact that I was brown. It was the fact that I was young. It was the fact that I was Muslim, AKA a terrorist. It was, you know, there was all these social compounds, you know, and no matter which way I looked, like I could look, okay, well, there's a age issue, but I can overcome that. Okay, well then I'll, that I'm stuck right in my face with the religious issue. If I overcome that, it's the color of my skin issue. If I overcome, you know what I mean? That's what we're talking about, about these oppressive barriers, these factors that don't allow you out unless people start to see it. Um, and there's a lot of work to happen, right? So I think that, you know, when we're talking about moving forward and how you move forward, I think that law reform is a really important part of it. You know, you have a Canadian government who does absolutely talk about, you know, uh, you know, feminist, points forward, but then I keep waiting for somebody to say, and I'm writing letters, I'm doing all my part, what I have to do, but don't just land on feminism. Let's not just get stuck on, okay, well, it's just feminism, because we're not defining this correctly, because it needs to be all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like the 50% of us is all of us, right? It's not just a certain group of women, it is all of us. So I think that, you know, like Linda kind of talked about economic power. Well, yeah, if you're leaving out, you know, out of the 50% women in this country, if you're leaving out 30%, yeah, it's, it's no surprise that you're kind of, you know, hovering at baseline. You've never really moved forward. That's the reason. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When everyone's talking about, oh, well, not a, not a lot has changed in all these years or whatever the, you know, the, 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 the topic of the day is, that's why. Because you've assumed that 50% of the population that you are advocating for is all monolithic. It's all the same. And they're not, right? So you see what I'm kind of getting at? Is that just going to Linda's point, right? Because you made a really great point about the economic recovery, right? So you're not going to, you know, feminism, you know, just just feminism. Oh, you're we're stuck. We're not getting anywhere. Mark my words. We're stuck exactly where you are because out of the 50% of women that you're advocating for, you're only really advocating for 20% of that 50%. The majority are women of color <laughs> or indigenous women, black women, Muslim women, any or whatever, whatever version of, of that is. So if you kind of hear what I'm saying is that now is the time for everyone to get on board. Mm -hmm. Now is the time. It's the recovery time. It's the time where, you know, after a crisis, everyone can kind of lift up and start to really see uh, where all the emptiness is, where the where, where the gaps are, right? And, uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful opportunity if we're able to take it without people getting their back up against the wall. 
you know so that's really what the question is because i think the greatest detriment is ego the greatest greatest issue that we are all having right now and i have it every day and it's no offense to any any you know whether it's white women or black women or indigenous women i think that it's it's a matter of you know people just not understanding that we have to all really come together right to to really move that forward but you can't ask those who are racialized or those who are oppressed to now start to you know lift up from their trauma and their oppression to lead the way when we can barely breathe right like be be sensible to that part of it right so um there's a lot of space and the last thing i'm going to say about it is you know um i see a lot of random conversations about um, which is really nice that people are talking about it but i really encourage people to be more sensible when they're talking about intersectionalism like it's not just color and gender right it's not just color and gender because when you do that then you're kind of ignoring uh you know things like uh you know asian hate you know all the hate against asian all the hate against uh, women who are wearing hijabs in like Calgary and everywhere else getting ripped off, then you're ignoring all that part, right? So you have to be really cognizant of the fact that there's just a lot of different barriers and and they're and they're, and they're and they're effective, you know, and they're hurting people. Uh, and if anybody has any real question about it, all I would simply say is, if you don't believe in the theories, and if you don't believe in, okay, you know, we're just kind of crying, whatever, oh, we're just complaining all the time, or whatever the, you know, whatever the, you know, the backroom conversations are about, uh, perhaps, you know, do your research, just do blindly just do basic numbers, you know, just look at the numbers, you know, I didn't create them, those of us who are advocating, we didn't create them, you know, um, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah, so I see a really, really wicked comment here is ad advocating with not for, um, and that's a really important part too, is that I don't need anyone or none of us really need someone to take our voice. That's not what we're looking for. Uh, we're just, we're just asking for people to, you know, just, just acknowledge it and accept it and where we need, you know, be, be, be the person next to us. Right. Because I think that that's been happening a lot too you know, where people kind of think that, okay, well, now it's the topic of the day and, you know, let's everybody get on board and it's kind of, you know, like trendy now to talk about intersectionalism. Like, come on, some of us have been doing this for 20 years and no one had a clue. All the evidence, no matter what anyone said, no matter what anyone said, no one gave a shit, right? So now, so now suddenly, because it's like something to talk about, great, great, get on board. But remember, there's people who have done this for a really long time. So don't mute our voices because you want to get like viral for five minutes. That's annoying, <laughs> right? Um, and yeah, so that's my basic part of it. I think that most people would understand that we're just talking about various things. The last thing I want to kind of say, and I said this already, but um, I think that legislation and law reform mm -hmm. has a lot to do with this uh, because I think that there's moments where some of us do have the ability to make complaints like Susan talked about, okay, well, if you were being harassed in some way, in your place of work, uh, you know, to, to be able to have the, the the ability to have remedies for various discriminations, you know, because sometimes you can only really check off one box. You can be like, well, I was discriminated against because I was a woman, you know, but then it, it, it takes out and it doesn't allow us to really gather more data or information for all the other constructs, for all the other issues. So I think that law reform and just having generalized uh, looking at laws and legislation and policies 
through a um, uh, intersectional lens would would make a universe of difference as a starting point. Universe in my world. So that's all <laughs> I have to say about that. Like love it or hate it, there it is. <laughs> oh well, thank you, Rana. I know it. It's you're right. Um, I just want to add to um, to that. Rana, when we're saying, yeah, no, we have to include all women. Um, we doing this show called Healing Hearts, and I had a guest on. Her name is Mary Scott, and some of you might know that name. Now, Rana, you're shaking, yeah, nodding your head. Yeah, she's a fabulous lady, and actually did a lot of work at the UN table. And she was recently at this worldwide conference, and she was horrified to hear the stories. Um, you know, of women around the world that still have no rights, that still live in poverty, live in, with domestic violence, um, all of these things. Hands up. Yes? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. It's cringeworthy. I know. It's cringeworthy. Your own country does the same thing every minute of every single day. Mm -hmm. Every minute of every single day for Indigenous women, you know, and I love Mary Scott. I think she's a beautiful, kind, generous woman. But my response to that would be like, while you're out there labeling every other country as oppressive, let's mm -hmm. look in your own backyard first. And let's look in your own backyard first. And she it's did. Yeah, yeah. No, no. no. And, yeah. and, and she did. We talked about that because the whole part of this show is to bring Indigenous and newcomer communities together. But she was just sharing what she had heard at this conference and so um, you know as far as us moving forward together as women as women as we identify with whether what color of our skin or color obviously we still have a long long way to go and many many barriers and welcome Susie hello <laughs> um, it just reminded yeah. me when you were talking uh, Rana about uh, like uh, the legal reform I wanted to let everyone know that um, I'm not, I, I don't have the date, but the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce has an event coming up that is meet the city councillors. So oh. all of the city councillors are available on uh, for conversations. You get opportunities to sit at, I mean, it's all virtual, but you get mm -hmm. opportunities to sit, ask questions, have dialogue and interesting about feminism i saw this and my initial thought was i'm not going to go to that because i don't know what i would talk to these men about a lot of them are men not all of them uh, i don't know how i would what what i'm who i'm advocating for like i i just had this initial no and then i really had to challenge myself on that and go no we need more women women of color at the tables. We need to be in the rooms where the decisions are being made. And that means getting on boards, getting on, you know, uh, and, and getting vocal and getting, making yourself uncomfortable and getting into these rooms and knowing what you're, what you're asking for. That was for me, I, I had to clarify, well, like, what am I asking for? Mm -hmm. What, you know, if I have a conversation with somebody who has power in this city, what am I going to ask for? And that's just a, I mean, I'd love to hear what everyone else thinks. Like, you know, if you have an opportunity to create change right then and there, like, what are you, what are you going to ask for? 
Give me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Susie? Any ideas, Susie? Hi. Hi. Um, yeah. <laughs> Linda, can you give me some background about the event again? I heard a little bit about what you said. Um, it is. Um, it's through the Winnipeg Chamber of mm -hmm. Commerce. And it is uh, called, I will just look it up, talk amongst yourselves, hang on. <laughs> yeah. And I'm guessing it's virtual, it is, right? So. So can I yes, just it use is virtual? Yeah. Yeah, it's go ahead. Yeah, of this course. Leaders virtual dinner. Yeah, oh, okay. So, so. Uh, gender pay, equal gender pay, uh, or, or, or close the gender gap, um, you know, stop, um, you know, you know, twic uh, twinkling down, you know, funding for shelters, for all women's organizations, um, even the basic dollar amounts that are going into um, anything to do with women, whether it's shelters, whether it's health, whether it's blah, blah, like list any topic, whether it's education, health, law, anything uh, that's including uh, prisons for women's prisons. Yes. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. I would say, uh, you know, uh, scholarships, um, anything to do with allowing uh, women of color, uh, even newcomers, indigenous women, uh, sponsorships, um, you know, money to go to school, support to go to school, anything to do with that. Um, you know what, like not having, you know, a token equity, like, oh, we have to put one brown person on a board and not, no, 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 <laughs> it's offensive. And I don't want to be a part of your damn board if it's just going to be for you to talk about how you put a brown person on your board. Sorry. So the list goes on and on. So there's many, 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 many very immediate things that could happen. Uh, and, you know, like I've said before, any kind of intersectional lens to go over laws and policies, regardless of one's, what institution, would be great. Would be really freaking great. <laughs> I, think, I think you need to go to the dinner. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. everyone come to that dinner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be wondering what hit them. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Oh. Yeah, I hope that helped, Linda. Sorry. I just wanted to give you some kind of thoughts on that. There you go. Well, I'm just while I'm going to go to Susie and then and then and then Kirsten and Robin. But you know, I just uh, Susie, I, I I popped into your Instagram live on um, during the weekend. It was it was pretty amazing. Um, a lot of lot of interesting. I mean, some of the things you've mentioned here, but a lot you haven't. So maybe give us a little recap on yeah. Um, the topic of the day was uh, that child care is essential. And mm -hmm. we have this bill that's going up right now in front of the Manitoba government that, uh, according to experts who work in the child care field right now, is going to decimate the state of child care in Manitoba. And we don't have the greatest uh, system as it, as it is already. And um, I don't think local parents, first of all, you're in the child care system for a short time, right? So you tend to forget and tend to not understand that there are still people who are using the system, even though you might not be. And so I'm no longer in the childcare system, but it's super important, as you've seen through this pandemic, that childcare mm -hmm. is essential. And if we want women to remain in the workforce, we've already seen that this pandemic has hit females in their, in their careers harder than any other segment of society. Now you break that segment down into single mothers, women of color, and all of those uh, other brackets in that segment. And it, if the stats are even worse, they're even more dire. So 
we have to take immediate action on this particular issue. I say that we have to do this every election mm -hmm. cycle, but you know, we always hear accolades from politicians who like to talk about childcare in an abstract form, but there's never any concrete plan, right? And the time for that plan has passed. And we, we saw through this pandemic that people, frontline workers, nurses, paramedics, doctors, respiratory therapists, x-ray technologists, anybody in the healthcare system, front lines, whether it was retail as well, think grocery workers, think restaurant workers, could not be at work if they didn't have childcare. So we have one group of people calling people lazy for sitting on CERB when they had no consideration that probably a lot of those people did not have adequate childcare. Mm -hmm. How are you going to put your child in a spot that doesn't exist and then go to work. And also if you had to school that child at home as well, there's no accommodation for that whatsoever. And it is a, it is a critical issue right now, especially. Um, the lady who joined us on the uh, Instagram live, Cindy, she works in inner city daycare. And she was saying like some of the parents in her daycare don't know how they're going to manage once this legislation gets passed. So if you go on Instagram, there is a Instagram account, Manitoba Child Care Association. They have some great uh, information on there. There's also a letter that you can download and send to your MLA. I'll post that link on my yeah. Instagram again. Um, but this has to be, and I'm basically I was asking people to light up the phones for their MLAs, to call your MLAs and to say, we need to do better. This child care bill, as it stands, cannot pass. You need to fight it and you need to fight for working parents. You need to fight for single moms. And really, you know, if you are a double income house or whatever it might be, you have more privilege than a single mom. But there are still people in double income homes that are struggling to pay daycare. Mm -hmm. Double income doesn't mean that you're flush with cash. It just means that you have two people working. It doesn't tell you what the income levels are in that household either. So we really need to be cognizant of the fact that childcare is not a partisan issue. It's not a female issue either. It's not a women's issue. This is a workplace issue and employers need to be doing their part too. So for example, this is an, I don't want to say it's an easy fix, but if the system were such that if you had employers taking ownership of childcare, which means that if you are a pregnant employee, you go on mat leave, when you come back, your employer has a guaranteed spot for you because that is absolutely an HR concern. And, and a human resources concern and a work workforce planning concern. I don't understand, well, I do understand, it's because women are not in charge, but why this is not solved already, because the solutions are out there, but nobody seems to want to take ownership of them. No. What in particular, Susie, I mean, and maybe it was something, you know, Cindy had said to you too, what in, or are there some points in this new bill that just don't work? like? And that, it had I, to do. It had to do with the funding and the subsidies and the subsidies and how they were going to be dispersed. So basically, what uh, what Cindy was saying in the in the live as well, and you can go back and watch it's mm -hmm. on my feed, um, was that there was 18 million dollars marked from the federal government for childcare during this pandemic, which the provincial government has not touched. That money has not trickled down into the actual daycare and childcare facilities that it was meant for. Like that is lunacy. There's no reason why that should have been happening. And again, you know, we have funding from the federal government that provincial governments just slide over into another column so that they can make their books look good. And yet families are struggling. That's not appropriate. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not what that funding was earmarked for. It needs to go to where it was earmarked for, which is the families and the children who need it. Wow. Okay. Well, for sure, put so that MLAs. 
Yes, yeah. And Susie, if you want to just put in our chat too, so it shows up, you know, where people yeah, can go sure. and, can your, and your Instagram to, to watch it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Find from where you live, where who your MLA is. Okay, well, we're going to hear from Kirsten now. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> She's going to stay on mute. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't even know what the, what is, is there a question, Tracy? I'm I don't know. Sure where to start. There's been so much awesome conversation and um i and rana don't ever stop um being so passionate i love watching you and, and listening to everything you say yeah and you too Sus. everybody yeah <laughs> so what conversations have you had with your girls and i mean yeah uh, i mean yeah we uh, yeah you can be who you are you know yeah. The you know, oyster is your, I don't know, the pearl is your oyster. I'm not too sure whatever that saying is. I don't know. You know what, I'm, I'm going to be really, really honest and say in my house, we have um, we have lots of open dialogue and mm. there is nothing that, um, that can't be said. And my children, we were just talking about this last night. Um, they were talking in the terms of they were speaking to somebody they knew in their world and that the parents are having a really hard time because the uh, adult child has uh, different thoughts, different values, different belief system, and it's just not working for that the parents in that family unit. And so it, it came up uh, in my house, and we were talking about how, um, how we've always encouraged, um, you know, um, we've always encouraged, um, you know, your own thoughts, your own, uh, there absolutely can be two truths, all of that. And going back to feminism, I have to be honest, I have learned so much from my uh, my girls who are 21 and 23. Um, and I absolutely love how they embrace the idea of feminism because it absolutely is something different to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I really believe that. Um, and there's no right or wrong or, or it, it, it's what you identify feminism to be. And uh, what I've learned from them is that there's no negative behind it. It's very positive and there's no anti, it's all pro. And um, I love, um, you know, what has also been said, but I love how it stands for not only strength, um, but courage and having a voice and, and being heard. And, um, you know, it's, it's very pro for that individual and not mm -hmm. anti anything, right? So they really have taught me a lot on their beliefs and their standpoint when they look at feminism. And yeah, just that's that's my take on the family stuff. Um, and I, I, I hope I hope parents um, I hope parents are always open to hear what their, their children have to say and ask questions like, What does that look like for you? or No, I don't understand that. Can you explain that a little bit more to me? Because that's really interesting. Um, yeah, my parents, my uh, children have taught me a lot about um, even my own belief system and uh, how I view things. So isn't this next generation amazing? Can I just say that as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say because I know Robin's going to say something incredibly incredible. <laughs> She's shaking shaking the head. Well, it's interesting when you say new beliefs because Linda did a segment on creating new beliefs. And so maybe, you know, this is part and parcel of it, right? And and I've, I've learned a lot through all of this pandemic and, and through our chats is that really thinking before you speak is big too. And, you know, really listening before you, you spit out those words. And words, Robin, is my key to you. Everything that 
this is your time to ramble on a little bit. Talk to us about what's like in Australia. <laughs> Do they have feminism? Is it intersectional? <laughs> oh my God. I, look, truth be told, I feel this weird, um, <laughs> it, it's this weird little fraud bit, right? Cause well, I you're not a fraud. Here's my question. Here's like, my question to you. Are we, are we idiots? <laughs> because <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Oh my oh. God. No. I, but I sit here in this weird place, right? I Having know. been very clear, I have this straight man's brain in this woman's body and grew up being socialized as a woman, right? Like, so, you know, if you talk feminism, my dad's the kind of guy that said to my brothers, go out, sleep around, check it out before you get married. And I went, me too? And he goes, no. And I'm like, whoa, hang on. How do you do that? Why aren't we, like, why as a woman, well, in this woman's body, aren't I allowed to do what my brothers do? Aren't I allowed to get the same jobs? Aren't I allowed to go after the same thing? So I... I think for me, and, and I don't spend a lot of time in uh, Australia anymore, but but I, I think that whole intersexuality issue is screwed up like everywhere. I don't think there's a country that has it right. I don't think there's a group that has it right. Everywhere I go, I see pockets of oh, it's cool to talk about this for you and let's have this as the predominant view, but, oh, we forgot to ask you over here. And it's got to be about nothing without us. And that's all of us, mm -hmm. not just this group or this group or this group. And, you know, when I think Rana was talking before about being on board and the token brown person, like, we've got to go in and and fight together to say, you've got to hear all of us or hear none of us. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the point of having this pretend? It's the same in the field of mental health, right? Let's have the one person with lived experience and let's have all these other people that just drown voices out. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel... Weirdly enough, I'm sitting here not feeling qualified to talk about this. But for me, all it is is, like, if we can get everyone's voice to be heard and sit and have conversations together, we have a shot at it. While we have predominant groups deciding on policies, procedures, funding, then we are, uh, and I, I won't say it loudly, but we're, um, be, because it's yep. going to be the same old, same old. And so, yeah, if we can go and talk to councillors and go, well, you're a bunch of white men deciding what we do, nothing's really going to change mm -hmm. unless you're truly hearing what's said mm -hmm. from communities. And unless you're truly building people up in terms of saying, we want to hear your voice, because the other piece is we go, we want to hear your voice. Oh, thanks for what you've said, but we don't give a shit and we're going to do this anyway. So, so Tracy, you see I've raised my hand there. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'll yeah. be quiet. No, no, not at all. I'm just, I just shut up for five minutes and raised my hand instead of, you know, jumping excitingly into what you were saying, Robin, because I was listening intently. Uh, but one of the things that I realized, so first of all, you're frozen. Yeah, frozen. Oh, she's really frozen. It is the Indian Art Center. It's brand new and it's gorgeous. And Steffi, anyway, it's gorgeous. And there's a beautiful vault inside there that keeps all of this Inuit art uh, for display. And on the third or fourth level of the building was a display that um, was about LGBTQ uh, youth up north in the, uh, uh, with the Inuit traditions and Inuit family. And as these stories, it occurred to me that... Oh, dear. Aww. Aww. The term intersectional feminism is confusing for some people. Is there is that intersectional feminism is decolonization. It is a return to the values that Indigenous cultures have always held. And one of the things that um, was on the storyboard that said there's no such thing as transphobia or homophobia in Indigenous cultures because there's no such binary to which they have to adhere. And if we could understand that and embrace that, that would bring us so much more forward. And if we think about the process of colonization with it and the pain, generations of pain that it brought with that, that's exactly what it is, is it's the enforcing of patriarchy throughout an entire system and worldview. So decolonization to me now is intersectional feminism, however you want to call it. But to me, it is that process of stripping away what we have been taught instead of embracing everything in inclusive of who we are and what everyone is, a human being, inherently, uh, inherently, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say gifted but inherent with their own respect, rights, and dignity that no one can take away. And that's what colonization has done, is it took those away. So part of this Inuit exhibit was showing um, that the Inuit peoples didn't have two names, okay? They had one name or they had a series of names, as we've learned from Indigenous culture too. Well, they weren't allowed to use those names when, when the Canadian government decided they didn't want that. So these, these people were handed disks with numbers on them. And that's how the government was going to refer to them as, which is a completely dehumanizing process, right? And there's this beautiful sculpture in there, soapstone sculpture of this Inuit face, and the face is replaced by a series of numbers. And it is so gutting and so horrifying to realize that this was done to an entire people and they had no say in it. And no one stood up for them. No one said anything. No one thought to challenge it. It was just the thing that they did. And we want to go back to that or we want to continue that? No, no more. So we need to speak up. And the beauty that is in that building, we do not deserve because it was born out of pain and anguish and silenced, humans that were silenced. So we need to earn that beauty. We need to earn that trust and by any means necessary. 
And we need to listen to the Inuit and indigenous peoples who are going to tell us how we earn that back. We don't get to decide that anymore. Wow. That's all. Wow. Pretty powerful. I know the, uh, the, the um, Hama York is an amazing place, and it's interesting that, yes, you know, and, and we're very fortunate to have it here. But also learning that there's, I guess, Rana, you're right. You know, when I mentioned about Mary at the UN and saying that, well, you know, look in our own backyard. There's a lot of things that, you know, our own country has done. And I'm actually just reading a book by Winnipeg author Sally Ito, um, The Emperor's Orphans. So it's all about the 4,000 Japanese that were told, you go back to your country. And these were Canadians. They were born here. And so they go back to Japan and they're nothing. They were promised free boat ride and they, there are people there waiting for them. They would have their land. They had nothing. They went back home to Japan, which was not really their country, and treated like foreigners. So, and then plus the internment too as well. I mean, so I, it's, it's sad. You know, it's horrible parts of history that our country has to blame. And we're talking simply about, you know, moving forward as women as a whole and, you know, starting at our basics, talking to our city councillors. Hopefully, you know, we can make a change because you're right. I mean, we can have these, these conversations, but if we're not, if the, nothing is going to happen, then it's got to start somewhere. Um, so I thank both uh, all of you for uh, having all of these important discussions. And I don't know, where do we go from here, ladies? I'm game. I guess, do we go to the Winnipeg Chamber of we Commerce smash the dinner? patriarchy every single day, Tracy. That's all. Yeah. Keep smashing. Yeah. Can Keep I just, talking. Yes, someone will hear. Yeah. Well, definitely, Susie. I think, and I just, and I'm, I'm going to say this because I feel like it's an obligation. I know, whatever, you know, I'm just going to be like, but literally, <clears throat> like, do, do, like, and I, I feel like I just want to go around now and just be like, delete, 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 delete in life. Literally, if your first recognition and understanding is not any feminism, don't say the words feminism unless you are equate, you're, you're understanding that it has to be intersectional. Lest you do that, you're, it's a it's a failed start to begin with. It's a, it's you're done anyway. You've already failed. It's over, right? Uh, and I've already made that point about you don't like to pick and choose who who who's worthy of an equal right within your own group is kind of sick. So let's start with our own first. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of at that point right now because I feel like there's this constant arguments about like, well, it's all, you know, it could be whatever. No, equality means equality. Like, how do you get to choose who's, who's, whose life is more valuable? Like that's, it's BS, you know what I'm saying? And I think it's hard for people to swallow. Like it's definitely hard for people to swallow. If you're gonna say, if you're gonna be like any feminism has to be intersectional, full stop. Or it's not feminism then you're basically supporting the patriarchy. You're living off the women of color's oppression. Uh, you, you support basically the, the racialization of women of color, full stop. That's just, that's just what it means, you know? So I just think we need to stop beating around the bush and having these conversations. Those are just the facts. Whether you like it or you're uncomfortable with it or you enjoy it, really doesn't matter. Those are the facts. So 
I, I would just want to leave on that note is just that, you know, let's leave here and be like, okay, every time I say feminism, I have to be like, okay, and that includes and that acknowledges and that recognizes intersectional. And that's it. You know, start doing some research, start looking into what it means. Uh, our support means your support, your support means our support. It's a, it's, a, it's a unified front if we can all get on the same page or else we're, it's like divide and conquer internally, you know? Mm -hmm. so that's my five cents about it. My last word, I promise. <laughs> no, I don't think it'll be your last word. <laughs> Sorry, I'm all fired up. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a Susie. I'm pulling a Susie today. <laughs> well, it's a perfect campaign. And if we're going to do something, then if it's anything to teach everybody what intersectional feminism is, then I think now is the time. Because, I mean, it's, and it's like what Susie has been saying too as well, whether it's decolonization, and I totally understand that. And maybe there are other words too that we can add on to it. As long as it's educating people on what it all means, right? And, not, and let's not get, let's not get um, uh, you know, confused or um, uh, keep out of our, our, sight, our sight lines is that this work is hard in the sense that if you are a woman of color or a person of color, mm -hmm. and even I acknowledge the privilege that I have in that, in that segment, there are still, there's still some things that I wanna say that I can't say because it's not safe for me to say them. And I still have to live and work in this town. Mm -hmm. And I have thoughts, I have many thoughts. And the thing is, is that when, you, when we are conditioned to believe that the status quo is for our own good, it's very hard to push back against that. But if you start to frame things in that decolonization lens, in that intersectional feminism lens, in the lens that if the person who has the least amount of support in society right now were in front of this option, would it suit them or not? Things become very clear, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's the lens that we all need to look through. And only when we have safety in numbers and safety in, in, uh, in pushing back against the system really, will we be able to call out things that are blatant to me, but not necessarily blatant to somebody else. And that's, that's the thing is that there are lots of people who think they are doing good things right now, but all they're doing is perpetuating a stereotype or, per or perpetuating harm. And we need to really examine that. So thank you, Tracy, for this opportunity. No, and let me say that, you know, everybody that we bring in, I think, are all on board with the two of you. That's um, why we started this conversation. Um, and, you know, it, people have to come here with an open mind and an open heart. And I wanted just to have a safe place for people to say how they feel and what they want to say. So. Uh, hopefully, let's invite some city councillors then, maybe to uh, to our next show. Uh, but, oh, what about Miss Santos, uh, Susie? Yes. Uh, uh, see if uh, we can bring her on. She yeah, and she's on be... that list for the event too with Linda. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I think she's you know felt a little bit of the hypocrisy or whatever you want to call it of City Hall too. Um, I wouldn't but, want to read her email. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that might be a good one to bring on to and, and encourage, please, more women, you know, whoever you would you would like to have in this conversation, because you know what, how we're going to do the healing and how we're going to move forward is is sharing other people's stories. I've learned that and we've learned that through 
Oh, and next week it's our 60th show. <laughs> so I, I encourage everybody, yes, bring your party hats. I, you know, I'm going to have a little champagne. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. And Rana, I love the hair. Okay. So Thank you. 60th uh, show, so celebration. And, uh, you know, we'll keep in mind, we've learned new words now, intersectional feminism and decolonization. And moving forward, let's share more on positive things on how we can enforce that in different ways, right? And not just be the colored person on the board. Tokenism. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, so good to see all of you. Have a one... I think the sun is coming out. I can see through my... Uh, basement window but you know and hopefully enjoy this week and happy easter oh yeah yeah everybody going out on the patio no not today <laughs> not today well not today not today no all right and well stay safe over to everyone who celebrates as well yes and passover too thank you so much so stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next tuesday we'll be 60 years old oh no not. <laughs> bye 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 just feels like it, yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.